Athens dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure." And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is made to fall, and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Aratas was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man I will boast, but on my own behalf I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I have been a fool. You forced me to it, for I ought to have been commended by you. For I was not at all inferior to these super apostles, even though I am nothing. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. For in what were you... For in what were you less favored than the rest of the churches, except that I myself did not burden you? Forgive me this wrong. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we're in the last two weeks of a series that we've called Authenticity, uh, going through Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. And so if you're just joining us, uh, welcome. And uh, I want to invite everyone to pray with me. Father, we ask that you would, that you would give us the ability uh, to understand your word today. Um, we are at a point in this letter where we hear the talk of a raving madman. 
At least what he says sounds so mad. It sounds so foolish. It sounds so incomprehensible. So, Father, we ask that you would help us to understand your word today by your spirit. In Christ's name. So like the church in, in Corinth, uh, we are drawn towards becoming powerful and influential and prestigious. We want exactly what they want or they wanted. That's the reality. Uh, the series has been called Authenticity. It's been forcing us to be like ourselves as Paul was himself with uh, these churches. Uh, and if we're really real, let's put it like this, nobody wants to go um, to have their kid in the average elementary school, right? Nobody wants to be in an average marriage, right? Nobody wants to go to the average, it's an okay church. I mean, really, like that, we're, we're not captivated by just good enough or just average. We're drawn to something greater. We, we have this desire for greatness. We want to make church great again. Right? And so if we, if we judge our own lives as employees, as bosses, as, uh, as, as spouses, as students, as parents, as children, friends, colleagues, pastors, church members, ETC, right? Keep going uh, down that list. Uh, but if we measure what we value, if we measure what we treasure, if we prioritize everything according to whatever the, the standards are of the reigning day, contemporary culture, whatever contemporary culture looks like, like Corinth did, that's what they did, we will be made into fools. But if we come to judge and measure and value and view our lives, what ministry is, not according to what looks good right now, but what, what God says really counts, I think we might just find that weakness is the way that God works. We might actually find that what the world counts as foolish, what the world gazes at and looks at as foolish, is the very wisdom of God. We might find that what's penniless and what's powerless in this world is actually the power of God into salvation and the profit for all who believe. And so what God's telling us this morning through his word is that it's foolish to boast in our status or power or control instead of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet this is what fools do. It's how fools talk. It's what fools live for. And so, I mean, to consider this stretch of the end of chapter 11 all the way into chapter 12 I want us to look at just three images that come from this longer section, okay? So the, so the first image I want us to focus on is this image of the fool. Paul's been at this for a while, so, so we're going to focus on that, the image of the fool. The second thing I want us to look at is, is the thorn. Paul brings up this, this notion of having a thorn. I want to explain that. And then the third thing I want us to look at is the wall. So we're going to talk about three things, the fool, the thorn, and the wall, if you're with me this morning. So the fool, uh, chapter 11, verse 21, the, the second half of that, but whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. Uh, so people call this whole section right here, uh, they call it the, the fool's discourse. 
It's fool's talk. It's how fool's talk. Uh, because Paul sinks to the level of, of his critics to brag just as they do. They brag, they boast in being gifted speakers, and so he boasts by destroying their rhetoric in, in pretty amazing ways by using really good rhetoric when you look at it. So it's kind of, there's a lot of irony here. Uh, but there's a key difference between the kind of bragging that they're doing and the bragging that Paul does. And so the super apostles, as he labels them uh, in, in 2 Corinthians, they've been bragging about all their strengths and their achievements. Everything that they do that's, that's done very, very well, that they are exceptional at, that they excel at. Before we make any judgments on these guys, I think that um, we have to do something. We have to look at our own lives. It's the 21st century, so um, you know everybody knows that if you need to move forward, if you need to get ahead in life at all, you have to like you have to find the best letters of recommendation that you can possibly get. You have to have good references that check check out. You have to have a credible work history, right? That's realistic. Um, and when we when we interview, we're quick to highlight strengths and play down our weaknesses. Am I right? I mean, often do you say, I'm actually not qualified for this job, I'm the worst at this position and you should not hire me? I don't think anybody's ever said that, right? We're usually playing our strengths. And so like them, uh, Paul gives a very long list. And according to um, a lot of uh, scholars and, and commentators, lift, li- list, listing off uh, a long resume-like list like this, like he does, of achievements, that was actually common to public authorities. Uh, Augustus, who became the first emperor of the Roman Empire, he boasted of all that he had done for the Roman people and for the Republic. And it's a lot like uh, in California right now, uh, you know, we have a lot of uh, potential governors vying for the, 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 that place, that new seat. Um, and, and, and so all the, all the governors are boasting of their records, their accomplishments, and their achievements. And it looks like this. I've done this. I've done that. I've not done that. I'm advocating for this. I support this person, I don't support that person. I'm for this, I'm not for that. I, 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 me, me, me. Right? Because we have, boast, we have to boast in the achievements of all the accomplishments, of all the good record. That's what we're telling people. It's a culture of bragging and self-promotion. And it's actually what I think we most have in common with Rome and the city of Corinth, with, which always tried to imitate Rome, the greater city. And they tried to show how much like Rome they were, how much better than Rome they were. It's all about competition. And that's what this church is struggling with, right? Not the church in Corinth. I'm not necessarily saying our church struggles with that. But we have this in common, so maybe we do, right? I don't know. It's a question. I say this too. We even use our kids to brag. So this is, this is an interesting thing. I mean, like, look at my child. She's the brightest. Or, um, you know, he's the best. Or I'm the model parent. And my kid is on the honor roll at the best ever elementary school. The best ever. I recommend that one to send your kids to. It's a good one. Um, bragging, though, is the way that we move forward, we get ahead in life, and it's how we scale and move up the social ladder, right? So unlike them, Paul brags about things that nobody in their right mind would brag about. He's boasting in all the wrong things. Great leaders and popular politicians brag about their strengths, but Paul brags about his weaknesses. 
highlight if you want to, you can, verses 21 all the way to uh, 29. But he, he flips these standards upside down in that long list. And he makes a parody, a spoof of the, the normal way that we boast, the normal way that we get approval from other people. And the question is, why did he do this? Why is he talking like a madman, like a fool, as he says? He calls himself, I'm, I'm talking like a madman, I'm acting like a fool, you know, over and over and over again to make this point. Of course, it's part of his argument. It's a parody. He's not foolish. He's wise. Uh, the fools are those who think that bragging counts. The fools are those who think that our power or our influence or our status or our social maneuvering or scaling is really where we should be placing our trust. In me, I trust. Look at me, I'm great. Those messages are not the gospel. And so, it's, so Paul's record, his, his big list, it just deconstructs what people think is wise, and, and he calls it foolish. And what people call foolish, he says, is wise, and that's the way of God's kingdom. It's topsy-turvy, it's upside down. Our view towards power and status and control, it's flipped, it's changed by the gospel. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the nobodies, blessed are those who aren't control freaks. Jesus came into this world not to conquer and rule, but to die and to save. And so the cross is foolish. Paul's way of doing ministry is foolish. But the key difference between the super apostles and Paul, a real apostle, is this. The super apostles, they didn't really want the message of the cross. They were okay with using the, the cross as a way for them to advance socially and, and politically and economically, and keep impressing with the cross. But the cross was emptied of its weakness, and it no longer had power. And so Paul embraces weakness as that place that God alone is at work. Let me ask this question. When we're awesome, like when we're super amazing and super talented and super good at what we do, and like so talented, right? We're, we're like the best at whatever vocation we're called to right now. What does that, who gets the glory for that usually? Somebody. We do. Yeah. We'll say it together. We do. Andy's the only one listening here. <laughs> we do. Let's say it together. We do. We get the glory. Um, but when it's so clear that the only possible way that this could happen, the only way this could happen is by, by God's doing, who gets the glory? God always does. Now we can say that. God does. God. That's God's power at work. And that, I think, it really does require um, a pause in our lives. It, it, re it requires a self-examination, which is how he kind of ends the letter, but a, he a heart checkup for each of us. It could be uh, your first time to church today, or it could be your thousandth time to church. It doesn't matter. Each of us has to ask this question every single day, really. Where am I placing my trust today? Where am I placing my trust today? It's a great one for noon, like right before you eat. You know, you have to eat. I mean, at some point in the day, you're going to have to have a meal, right? So whatever time that is, maybe it's not noon, maybe it's another time. But ask that question. Where am I placing my trust today? Am I like a fool putting confidence in my success, my influence, my power, my status, my ability to control situations? If we recognize that, if we're brought to that place and we see the folly in all that, practice repentance. Practice just repenting, 
confessing that sin, of, of finding loyalty, trust, honor, and power or success, the love of money, whatever each of these things are to you, practice repentance and find your identity and your security in, in Christ. And the status that we can't earn, that we don't deserve, and that he readily gives to all who trust in him. And so Paul, he, he, he shows, he boasts in his credentials. He's weak. He's endured. He's suffered much for the sake of Jesus, just like Jesus suffered. And he owns that, and he shows that his calling is genuine. His, his calling is authentic. He really is doing ministry how God wants us to do it. He really is in humble reliance and dependence upon God, not on his own strengths, but weakness. And so this brings us to the second uh, image that I wanted to point out. It's it's the thorn. So look with me at at chapter 12, verse 1. And he says this. He says, I must go on boasting, though there's nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord, verse 2. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, Right now, I want to jump to to verse 7. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn, it says, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness." Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Really great passage to just sit on for a while. Um, but So Paul tells, tells of a man uh, that he knows... Uh, that he knows who did this super amazing, awesome thing, okay? So he knows a guy who did this incredible thing of being uh, lifted up into the third heaven or, or something like that, had this great experience. And that man, man is him. Apparently he had some kind of special experience, uh, an account, encounter with God in the highest heaven. In the ancient world, the third heaven was the highest point you could go. That's how they understood it. So, so all the readers, all the listeners of this letter would have understood that to say, You've made it all the way to the you know, highest point that you could possibly be. You're, you're before God. Um, and, and Paul puts it this way to come across as less braggy. Um, he has a point. He's saying this all in third person, like I know a guy who did this, to take the attention off himself. So the Corinthians would not boast in him and him having this incredible experience, but they'd boast in the right thing. The super apostles, they were braggy people. They were very, very braggy. Uh, they would have claimed, I have been to the third heaven and back again. They would have definitely boasted in that, if that had been their experience. <laughs> they would have used that to, to advance themselves. I wrote a book to tell you about how special I am, basically. And so, so, so Paul's not doing any of that, and, and his point is, as much as he, as he could brag about all of this, he can't brag because God has stuck a thorn so deeply in him that it keeps him humble. He's prayed three times for it to be removed, and guess what? God's not answering that prayer. All three times. So what's the thorn? Was it cancer? 
Was it a speech impediment? Was it, and commentators go on and on and on about all kinds of possibilities. Nobody knows for sure what it was, it doesn't matter, because he says it was a thorn. It was a thorn that he had, and it did a few things. One, it kept him humble. Two, it means that thorns are something that we can probably identify with. And three, it kept him from doing as much ministry as he could have done without it. Whatever the problem was, however weakening it was, it restricted his ability to do as much ministry as he hoped to do. I don't know about you, but whenever something happens that restricts me from doing more great stuff that would get the gospel out to more people, I'm kind of bummed about that, right? It kind of upsets me. Uh, it, it, I wrestle with it. And so when doubts come, um, you know, I'll wonder if, if, if only I didn't have this thorn in this way, if this thorn were not placed in my life, I'd be able then to do this and this and this and this. It'd be so much better. That's me reasoning, thinking of all the possibilities that, oh, it could be great this way and this way and this way. And so if, I, if I'm in pain over something too, or I have acute or recurring pain, I can think if this, if this wasn't bothering me, I'd be way more effective. Um, just to share for a second, uh, a little over a year ago, I started having a lot of pain in my hands where I couldn't even type. You know, I had a, a whole month where I couldn't type, um, couldn't write, do, do anything like that. Um, just severe, you know, chronic pain happening. And, uh, and part of that was my... My silliness of, of um, probably writing like 100,000 words in one month for an extended period of time, like just trying to like, okay, 3,000 words a day, you know, just like, so that was not smart. So I should probably not done that. But, but that was a thorn that I've had to bear, and I still have to bear it. And, and one of the things about it is it keeps me focused on what matters. It means that, that whenever I want to write something, whenever I, I want to go through the pain of, of using my hands, I'm deliberate about it, as Paul was with his thorn. And so, so when Paul shares about his thorn, he's answering the doubts that was cast on the church about his qualification as, as, a, as an apostle. Does Paul have an authentic experience of God? Does he really know God? That's what they were wondering about him. And I think, you know, people can tell the truth. Um, if, if we're having dinner... And, and I'm totally checked out. I'm thinking about something else. My wife will call me on it, right? Hey, you're not present. Where are you at? You know, like, come back. <laughs> or um, if, if I pick up the, the, if I'm on the phone during a meeting or something like that, um, you know, people who are close to me or whatever will be like, hey, get off the phone. <laughs> Stop texting or whatever you're doing, right? Um, the same is true in ministry. People can fake it for a time, but they can't do it for a whole lifetime. Is faith real? Is it genuine? Is it true? Real Christians, real ministers, real leaders don't need to fake it because God is always teaching us something. Every week's a, a, a test of the genuineness of our faith for those who are called by God and are loved by Him. And so thorns come. Do we avoid those thorns or do we embrace them and entrust ourselves to the one, the only one who can be with us in Him? Uh, the first sermon in, in the sermon series was um, the sermon that I preached on, on God. Uh, God will give you more than you can handle. Maybe you're here for that. Um, God doesn't remove thorns always. There's no promise in the scriptures that he's going to remove something. But he does promise to be with us in our thorns. 
Jesus had the greatest thorn imaginable, and he endured the cross, despising the shame and agony for us. Trillia Newbell, uh, she's author of God's Very Good Idea. She's a wonderful uh, 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 writer and, 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 and woman. Highly recommend her. Um, she's, she's awesome. But, um, but God's Very Good Idea, it's a children's book. Um, our kids love it. And recently she said something that really resonated with me. She said this, she said, In the midst of all the sorrows, and there are many, God gives glimpses of his grace and beauty and care. Look for one today. Cling to the hope of the gospel. Remember he is still good even when everything seems terrible. Remember he's still good when everything seems terrible. So great to remember. It's what Paul wants us to remember today. And I want to end uh, today uh, talking about this third image, the wall. So it's the, it's the climax of this, this whole section of, of, of Scripture here that we have before us. It's just it's so beautiful. It's the climax of his fool's talk, and it shows that, that weakness is the way forward for us. If Paul has anything to brag about, it's in his weakness. It's in his desperation. It's in his utter humiliation. It's in his helplessness that God works not through the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's how God works. That the lowly have God's power running through their veins, flowing through them. So the wall. Um, Let's go back to this weird statement that he made at the center of this passage. It's in chapter 11, verse 30. It's kind of weird. I mean, maybe you've had that, as you're hearing the scripture being read, did you have that kind of jarring, like, wait, what's that about? The like, question of, like, what is going on? Like, why did he mention that? So he explains, chapter 11, verse 30. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Verse 31. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. Verse 32. At Damascus, the governor under King Eratus, well, now I can't read. Um, King Eridos uh, was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. Verse 33. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. Why did it just get so random? Like, I was let down in a window, you know, through, uh, through uh, uh, this whole basket wall thing. Like, what's going on? Why does he include this anti-heroic tale about himself? I escaped in a basket. Through a window. Through the wall. <laughs> why does he say that detail? I'll tell you why. One of the um, highest awards that you could have in, uh, in the military, it was called the, the cor- uh, Corona Morales, the wall crown. It was given to the first soldier who could scale over a wall while you're taking over a city, while you're at siege. You know, like, think of like medieval times or whatever, you know, trying to go over that, that you know, the big scale wall and, and climb over and, and get to the top and get over it. Um, so that, so um, if, if you were the, the first over the wall in enemy, enemy territory, you usually died. So this, this award was given after death. Paul invokes this, this um, very celebrated, uh, very envious award in that sense to say that a Roman hero got awarded for climbing over up the wall to be the first. That's, what, that's how he received his, his reward. 
Now I, as Paul, I'm being awarded for being lowered down a wall and being the last. In other words, it's not the greatest, but the least. He didn't scale this wall. He was lowered down in a basket. Somebody else lowered him. Christianity is not about being first, best, uh, first rate, perfect, or whatever else you're striving after or chasing after or you think you have to chase after. Christianity says this is a religion, a spirituality, a way of living, a belief, a worldview, all of those things that is not about our climbing up to God to gain his approval. Christianity, the gospel, is about God's climbing down to us in his son to give us his approval, his favor. That is the message of the gospel. This gospel is the anti-narrative to all the stories that we, the grand stories that we tell ourselves or, or talk constantly in our foolish talk, all the chatter, to make us feel that like we're rock stars and we're better than everybody else. I'm the best, I'm the greatest, I'm the fastest, I'm the most beautiful, I'm the most handsome, I'm the strongest, I'm the bravest. I, 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 me, me, me. And instead we're told that what we couldn't do for ourselves, God has actually done for us in Jesus Christ. We want to focus on our own status, whether I was born a Christian or I became something from nothing and now I'm a great success or I have popular friends or I know people. We want to focus on our power. I can take anyone out with my wit, my force, my finances, my brilliance. We want to focus on our control. I have the know-how. I know how to do it best. I have the resources to know how to do it best. I'm the only one who can do it. I know how to do it best. So to all of our controlling to all of our maneuvering, to all of our power-grabbing and status-seeking behaviors, which is all messed up by our sin. We warp having power. We bend our status. We wield control in ways that bring glory to ourselves and destroy our neighbors. And to all of that, in Jesus Christ, God lowered himself down humanity's wall. Jesus came down to rescue us from the idols, the things, the status, the power, the control. He earned, he entered into our reality becoming a true man of no reputation, had no significant status in this life, gave up all his power. He let the powerful Pilate basically crush him. Power-hungry Jews, Jewish leaders, crucify him. He gave up his own quest for control. Not my will, but thy will be done. Also, he could be raised from the dead and on the third day be lifted up over the wall in him counted as righteous, adopted as family, promised true freedom in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, so this is the Jesus who offers each of us today, this morning, freedom from power, freedom from control and status, and he offers us, by his death and resurrection, he offers us a new status as family, as sons and daughters. He offers us the gift of his power, Christ being formed in us by his spirit. He offers us Ultimate control, being, being cared for by the creator of everything that exists. And yet fully known and finally loved by a good father. Being cared for in this fatherly, his fatherly hand. Man. So if you're listening at all this morning still uh, to this fool's talk, I'm a fool. I'm talking about some foolish things this morning. 
If it's your first time hearing any of this, if it's your last time hearing this, if it's your thousandth time hearing this, it doesn't matter. If you're hearing this message about the gospel, I want you to please repent with me this morning. Turn from our, 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 our cravings of, of power, of honor, of glory, of status, and all the ways that we're seeking after it. Let's repent of those. Turn away and trust in Christ today. Let's pray.